Welcome to Tether Together, a podcast about friendship, care, and connection from Laura Interlandy and Erica Livingston of Birdsong Brooklyn. We're so glad you're here. Hi, welcome back to season two of Tether Together. We're so glad you're here. And we wanted to make this kind of intro-y episode that gives you a like gentle glimpse into where we are and what's going on with us. We both deeply believe in spirals and the spiralic nature of life and living and embodiment. And what I mean by that, it's not even that complicated. It's just that we believe that it doesn't really run in a circle. It runs more in a spiral, which means that you're ever changing, but you might be in the same kind of section of your journey, but on a different rung of the spiral. That's the easiest way to explain it. How'd I do? What do you think? Is that understandable? Yeah, I think like seasons are the perfect example of that is that we revisit the same seasons each year, um, but they're never exactly the same. Yeah, familiar, but different. And hopefully there's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This this season familiar, but different. And here's how. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say with some compost and some growth and some harvest in between. And it, it bears noting that we we are in the same season right now that we did launch at uh, season one. And there had literally been a winter season, a spring season, a summer season. Now we're back in this autumnal season that you and I were both born in. So this is a very comfortable season for us to share ourselves. And with that, we want to acknowledge that you've been through three seasons and the world has been through three seasons. And there's just how could you ever be the same after the last three seasons we've all been? Yeah, seriously. And like, not just three seasons, but these, you know, this 2020 that we have. Okay, so tell me what's changed since the last time we were recording our voices and putting it on platforms like this. Well, there's been just like a tiny little eensy global pandemic no big deal. No, go, just no a weensy little global pandemic Still that up. has happened and has been happening. There was also a racial uprising that brought a lot of things forward right after the death of George Floyd and now has been making um, like racial conversations more mainstream, although it should be noted that they aren't kind of as popular as they were in June. Yep. You can see my face. I'm kind of making that emoji with like the kind of sideways mouth with the gritted teeth of like, ew. Um, yeah. So a lot of people, is, a lot of people who were very closed about talking about race are now talking about race. Yeah. And some of those conversations have been with lots of um, actual action associated with them. And a lot of them have not been, right? A lot of them have been just more sort of commercial puppetry um, Mm -hmm. and co-opting. So uh, we want to acknowledge the dual nature of the fact that 
It's not as if racism emerged in June. It's just mm. a bunch of people were like, oh no, we have to start talking about this. And how long do we have to talk about this? And Forever. do we really do anything about this? And it's, we will come back to that again and again. Um, in We will come back to racial equity again and again in this podcast. And just want to acknowledge that some people are probably... Um, yeah, feeling really taxed by um, the absence of the conversation that was started in this big way that then receded. And there are a lot of folks that are really exhausted by the absence of the mm -hmm. continued conversation and action. Yeah, definitely action tied in with the conversation. The other thing that's changed, which really ties into both of these things, um, but probably started with the global pandemic, is that there's a deeper economic struggle for many people now. And that should just be acknowledged of what's kind of different than when we were talking last. Um, definitely, that is disproportionately even more like Black people, BIPOC people. That's for sure um, something that's really worse I'm gonna not say even different like that it was already a problem but is worse and there's a lot of economic struggles happening and doulas should be acknowledged here because we are both um, practicing doulas and that's been some of, and of what this podcast has woven around about and so doula work has been pretty affected by both of these things that we've mentioned the pandemic and the uprising another thing we wanted to mention on our big list of what's changed is that a lot more people work from home and a lot more people school from home than ever before. And that that will probably also, all of these things that we're bringing up are not just things to ground us into where we are and what's different, but probably will inform some of the things we choose to talk about in this season. Absolutely. So one of the um, aspects of doula work that we believe is foundational to having clear containers for care is, you know, acknowledging what is, you know, really truly acknowledging what is, what is different from a doula walking into your home than great aunt Susan, or even the um, physical therapy person who will come in or occupational therapy person that might come in support you um, in a clinic or at home with, you know, developmental movement for your child or some another perinatal professional that you might overlap with is a doula will look you in the eyes and say, how are you really? And will acknowledge, hey, I, I see that you're wearing the same sweater that you've been wearing every time I've come over. Like, are you getting a chance to like fully have a shower and like feel like cleansed and clear and have, can, can I just, let's just like change your sheets together and let me hold the baby while you go and really get um, a reset. Whereas other folks will just skim over some of the um, particulars of the environment and go straight to, well, I'm here to look at the baby's latch without acknowledging that everything else going on in the landscape is affecting the baby's latch. And so for us, it's like our doula selves across the miles, across the airwaves that wanna say, hey, we see you 
with one headphone in listening to this while you're also like cutting out this strange um, construction papery activity that you have to do for home learning with your thing while you're also trying to make dinner and also get that work email out. And also your job is at like a higher stakes now because your partner lost their job and you're all just figuring it out together while also trying not to leave your home very much. While also trying to make sure that your homeschool has like anti-racist resources woven into your, specifically your history modules, but maybe what about everything else? It's like everything we've just talked about that is the what's changed. We just wanted to say it's here. We see it. We know it. Um, it's happening to us too. And to give us a commonality and a platform to sit together comfortably on, or I guess really uncomfortably actually, like to sit uncomfortably on of just like, this is where we all are at now. We also wanna talk about what's changed for us personally. So that's kind of like the best we can do with what's changed for all of us. Yeah, what's just changed one... for us personally and our well, business. Like... I mean, the, the first thing is that for us, we acknowledge very forwardly that the personal and the professional aren't separate. <laughs> so that's to come yeah. back like holistic grounding in of during a global pandemic and a racial uprising while people are struggling economically and also trying to school from home and keep their family members safe and their mental health intact. Um, that is the personal and the professional for everybody, right? Like how they're trying to we're acknowledging the holistic viewpoint of what family is and what what we're all holding as people and very disproportionately as people, depending on our intersections of privilege and identity. Um, for us, our friendship is everything to what we do, like this conversation, any course we create, any training we hold. And that still is true. Like that's something that has not changed. However, what has changed is we can't see each other in person. We live in different countries, on different coasts. Um, there are a lot of barriers to uh, what we really envisioned this year to be in terms of the ways we would spend time and space together. And yet, that time, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I mean, like it really does test you when you go through so many um, personal and professional uh, shifts and changes and, and contraction and expansion um, that if you have a strong framework, if you've, if you've been working from a guttural, truthful, basis of integrity and right relationship that will only get stronger. And that is, is where we are at is that we can't see each other in person. We cannot hug, we cannot hang out. We cannot do some of the things that we dreamed 2020 we would do, but a lot of <laughs> a lot slash most. Um, but our friendship is its own healing justice container. And it always has been that. And that has come to the forefront of both of our consciousness um, it's one of uh, the greatest gifts we've both been given in this lifetime is this friendship. And we truly do practice within it um, the things we talk about in terms of accountability. And we in, we really give this, this podcast and this sharing of our friendship over as an invitation to um, cultivate healthy relationship with the people in your life. And mm. 
So that it's not, there's like things that have changed, but that part of it, I feel like is the constant is it is the tether. Like the tether is stronger than the tether is stronger than ever. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Um, Yeah. Okay. So some other things that have changed. Oh, wait, I was about, did I cut you off? No, go for it. I was just going to share some of the other things too. I just went really So. (laughs) I'm glad you went hard and forward with the friendship. Like in our notes, it was like set to be last. And Laura was like, no, I'm going to improv this up to the front of the list. Um, Some things that we've realized for us that have changed when we were thinking about what what we need to say in this space um, to call everyone into the circle with us and to feel like we're sharing enough is that many of our work partnerships have changed or have ended. Um, And many of our personal goals inside of our business um, were either paused or have been thrown into a bonfire. And, And that fire is a sacred fire that we're still tending and it's still going. Like that fire is still burning and we are consciously tending that kind of like cutting away and throwing on there um, as we move through this macro of these big things um, and how that's affecting our micro. Um, You can come in at any moment, Laura. I don't need to bogart the whole like how we changed thing, but (laughs) uh, we also learned that Instagram is not the container for us. We're not saying we won't ever be there, but you won't see us there in the same ways you have in the past. And that's okay fine to have a little grief about it um we even have had a little bit of grief about that and also we took a very long break from that particular social space and really a long break from a lot but that was the one that was probably most evident to people who might be listening here um and it was really nutritive and it was really really helpful for both of us to take that break and then as we came in we kind of came in with a new set of eyes yeah, I think I would add to that. It's it's not on the list, but might I <laughs> intrude Go with it. not on the list is mm-hmm. that uh, and it, it ties into us not being able to see each other in person is that um, for us, the work, quote unquote, whether you talk about postpartum advocacy work or post postpartum service work or racial equity work and anti-racist work. Um, educational work, whatever the whatever encompasses the work. I think there's been some ever dawning realizations and deepening realizations that if that work isn't happening in person, in real life, in your actual community with the people that you see daily or you are surrounded by, but you can't see because of quarantine, but if you're not really showing up where you physically are, and uh, and trying to understand the complex um, or different dynamics of what your neighborhood needs, what your community needs, um, it, it, then what are we talking about even, right? Why are we even having these conversations? And so that's a really big like practical that I want to put in under the like Instagram's not really the container for us is that I live somewhere super different. The conversations I can ha- that my community is having are different than the conversations your community is having, right? Funnily enough, Vancouver Island and Brooklyn, kind of different. And so 
it feels like a lot more um, genuine progress can happen. A lot, I can move the needle more where I am if I am more deeply attuned to where it is that I am and what it is that the people in my real life community are actually asking for and what their barriers are and what their problems are, where their blind spots are. And I would, so I would just like share, like to share that sentiment um, outwardly, which is that there's only so much time in the day, right? There's only so much time in the pie. And so um, how and where you're spending your energy, I, I would just really encourage folks to make sure that there is a significant piece of that pie, even if you do make some of your living online, right? Or you have a platform that is large and, and reaches um, places that you are not who are you as a body in a space on a piece of land in, in, in a community in relationship to others? Like how has what we've all gone through um, over the last year changed your relationship to place and therefore community? And um, yeah, that's a real deeper underneath. And I think there's a lot of institutional accountability work um, and these that that we're both doing and community advocacy work doing that we're both doing that would feel totally inappropriate to share online that also right because what even is it to say I'm going to show up and work on um my examining whiteness and examining performative allyship and examining saviorism and then to be like hashtag selfie here's me holding an institution accountable, right? Like hashtag, here's me being a great community member. Like, are there things that can just happen that are that white people are not um, telegraphing to the world continuously? Um, so we want to be accountable community members uh, and, and there's a real hologra holographic, um, non-nutritive, like house of mirrors kind of vibe that's going on online by nature of what the online space is, particularly for white folks showing up in, in any kind of activist capacity. It's, it's, um, something we're very conscious of and place-based relationships are becoming ever more important to both of us. Yeah. And I think that within that, it's a good, kind of lead over to that in stepping away from some of our social spaces and some of the obligations that weren't really nourishing us, we've created more boundaries and we're not just using that time to like be in relation to our community. We're also gardening. <laughs> it's, I mean, truly, we've been like gardening our buns off and we have found it so like, so just a very blanket thing that when we each have space to be in the gardens, um, we are happier and healthier and able to show up better when we're not there. And so we've started to prioritize that type of time, um, time for rest, time for restoration, um, taking what we know about parenting and putting it into our own families instead of just talking about it to others, taking what we know about doula work and doulaing ourselves and our families and our friendship. Um, and we're spending a lot less time giving out free advice and free mentorship or engaging in non-nutritive spaces that don't reflect our values. 
Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and within all of this too, like there is to be noted that it's not like we're like, oh, we're at the end of something, right? We said earlier, like we're in the spiral always. So we have also been re-examining what our values are, right? So it's like learning what doesn't reflect our values and what does and constantly trying to hold that, um, hold that with clarity and doubling down on our own commitments to postpartum and racial justice. And those two things are something that both of us feel deeply committed to and deeply um, ready to push the podcast into an even deeper commitment to that as well. Um, yeah, and I, I, think I will also, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, and with that, you know, the, it, I think it's really relevant to anyone listening to this season who either did, was a, a listener of season one or wasn't, um, that, you know, season one, like we still cover things that are important to us and things that are um, challenging topics for some people. But I think this season, we're really going to come in a lot hotter, a lot more direct, a lot more cl like clarifying. I mean, thinking of the metaphor of the fire to like burn down like the illusory um, things that have been holding us back from progress, because that is such a huge part of why systems don't change and why um, institutions stay in this sort of stagnant colonial um, supremacist model is that um, speaking truth to power is something that isn't always easy to do. And depending on your um, intersections of uh, oppression and how risky that might be for you in your scenario, um, there's just so much fear around speaking truth. And I think that's a place that we have always, since being children, <laughs> have not struggled with. It's the world that struggled with that in us. And so one of our, you know, not everybody is supposed to show up to every fight, right? Not everybody is supposed to dismantle every brick in the wall. Um, but we certainly, so there's some people whose contribution will be quiet, right? Some people will quietly do things, um, but we're not quiet people, right? So our contribution isn't going to be totally quiet. And I think that we're recognizing that, of course, we both come, you know, we are both white and we both come from white families, um, you know, lineage wise and raised wise. And so we both have so many patterns of whiteness and acceptability politics and um, politeness uh, that really dilutes messages and continues to veil what the truth really is and what we have to say. And we're going to do a lot less of that. And we'll try to put trigger warnings or content warnings if we're going to get um, really visceral about things in an episode. But if you need a gentle, gentler intro to who we are, <laughs> you may uh, want to go back to season one and get to know us through season one and build some trust with us in season one um, before we go ripping all the veils, <laughs> tearing down the Love veil, it. setting it all on fire. Yeah, I'll also say that there's a place on our website that represents our values. And so I invite anybody that wants to go deeper here in, as I mentioned, values and saying we're recommitting to our values, we're re-examining our values, we're not going to be in unnutritive spaces that don't reflect our values. You're welcome to visit our website um, and go to our values page and see what we mean in a deeper way. Um, because I also think that 
uh, well, because we're word nerds and we also like to craft those words to stand as written as much as we love to talk. We love to write and talk. And so this is some of the talking and over there is some of the writing of what we feel our values are. Um, and I would also invite you as a listener in to just like share yours and, um, and they don't always have to be the same. And uh, we would be interested in, in hearing what those are specifically for the people that are like listening and supporting this podcast. Yeah, I one I do want to add something here, which is that because you just said this totally radical thing, Erica, in today's climate, which is, could you imagine that you could have different values to somebody and still connect with them? Could you imagine that? <laughs> what a world. I sure can. What a world. Could you well, imagine? Like, I mean, we'll get into this later, but like I'm a Libra and I feel like my values are split half the time anyway, too. And so it's a very like seeing that other side of the coin just comes naturally with my sun sign even. And that we all, I think that that is definitely one thing that is happening right now in the climate of the pandemic um, specifically. And then also inside of um, race being something that needs to be talked about every day is that it can get easy to think that you should just be living in the vacuum of these are my values and let me like only talk to the other people who share them. Yeah, and I that's know that both of us are feeling different than that and really wanting to hear from all different places um, because otherwise, how will we kind of climb our way out of the holes we've got ourselves in? That's what the vacuums feel like to me is holes. Like you're just sitting in a hole with everybody. Yeah, just I might show, even say grave. You're like, okay, you put up your meme on three and we'll see if they're the same. One, two, mm -hmm. three. Do we have the same? <laughs> <laughs> No, different meme? Okay, get out of my hole. Um, <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to say that we, yeah, we really want to, we know we have the capacity as we were, this is probably should be included more in like locating ourselves as humans um, on this earth, but something I will, I will share about both of us that we discovered years into our friendship, I think, is that both of us were public speakers and debaters in high school. So if you thought we couldn't get cooler, we could. <laughs> there are there are trophies on Vancouver Island that are debate-centric trophies that have my name on them. I just like to stand in my full value there. Um, and what we both, you know, if anyone has gone through high school public speaking and debate, um, I also remember some really triggering topics in there, by the way. That's another whole podcast episode. But um, you don't know what side you're going to be debating. Like if you really go to a bunch of tournaments, like there, you have to be able to argue both sides. You have to look at what your opponent believes in and be able to appeal to like the hearts and minds in order to essentially have a debate that kind of turns in the direction of like your opponent sitting there being like, yeah, you are right. So especially if you're an activist and you have like deeply, deeply held beliefs, if you're not in the practice of trying to understand the person sitting across from you who's digging their heels in, and here I'm really speaking to white people when it comes to race, it is not BIPOC, um, it, is not it, it is not the responsibility of BIPOC individuals to educate white people or convince white people around racism. This is the job, this is the white work, right, um, of 
creating equity where there has been none um, is standing with your privilege um, that you don't have to deal with this every day and being willing to actually build connection and create understanding in spaces where there were none. And Mm. so we hope to provide like a critical thinking space, not just a space that you can come to and feel like we know all the trendiest, most inclusive language, and we're dropping dropping it every two seconds in our podcast, just so you know that we've seen all the memes that you've seen. That's like not what we're doing here. The meme carousel is like a personal pet peeve of mine, um, even though I love a meme. And I think last season on the podcast, I might have like referenced memes like every episode. Someone can fact check that. But that's something that's changed is that we're less concerned with being liked and we're like online and otherwise. And we're more concerned with giving our gifts over in a way that can really truly bridge connection. We're not only interested in tethering to someone who's going to like blow smoke and affirm everything it is that we've ever said. Yeah, I do think like one of the things I was thinking as you were speaking was that this does kind of go into the core of who we are, right? As parents and as doulas and also, I guess what we're asking, you know, when we make a podcast like this, one of the things we're saying is we are like, would you like to listen to this? And we're asking of you that you don't have to share the same values as us, but that we would find ways to respect one another, even without thought. And I think that serves to be great. You were mentioning kind of in an activist space, but that's also like within relationship doula to doula or, you know, caregiver to caregiver or parent to parent, like that could ease a lot of tension at the playground. If everybody could just, respect that we don't always have to share the same values and that I think also really assists us in the core of what this whole podcast started out to be which is like to tether to one another and this like core foundational piece to our business which is all boats rise and that all of the boats rise when we can um, support one another how will we ever support one another if we're just like fighting about I believe this and I think this and I want to do that and you're fighting the other. So I'm never saying that you need to put your values down or under shove them down into the dark spaces inside of our like secret closets of our bodies even, right? Like I do think that we can bring um, things out, but I guess one thing that's really changed about me in or become enhanced at least in this climate is the idea that only surrounding myself with people that say the exact same thing as me is not actually pushing me or thoughts or action much more forward. I hope that makes sense. Anyway, if it doesn't, hit us up. Well, I had a new parent friend reach to me recently and say like, hey, I Googled sleep. And I was like, that's so tough. Like the word sleep. Damn, that's tough. When you are that sleep deprived that you just put in the word sleep into the Google bar and just see whatever comes up. What, what, what is it? What is it? What is it? If it, let's do it. I'm going to do it right now. Do it right now. Live Google. Live Google. 
But I was like, don't ever do that because you won't ever, you won't find anything good in the multi-universe of parenting discourse around sleep. You just won't. You need safe containers to explore and you need to like, you need a gatekeeper to filter that information because you're only going to find the person that radically believes this. And then the person on the other side that radically believes this. And then a forum of other people that are telling each other what to do. Like, unfortunately, it's really hard in today's climate period to find um, nutritive spaces that are about centering the person in their own situation and what resources they have available and then using critical thought and love to support that person. What does okay, that- I got to tell you what the results say. Please Pause your train of like making this make a lot of good sense, which is going great. Can you tell us but when I put in but when you type, yeah, in- yeah, I've got both. Don't you don't come on. trust me here. I got this. Okay. The, what I first want to share is when you just put in sleep, I want to share what Google thinks you want to say further, right? The suggesteds, which also I must note that the top one is in purple, which means I think I've already put that in before, right? And the other, so there's some pulling back the veil of my own life here is that the one that Google thinks I might want to revisit is sleeping should be easy potty. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure why I stuck potty on the end, but it's like a little glimpse into just like the journey with kids there. Um, sleeping should be easy potty. Okay. Then the ones that I haven't put in myself are sleep definition. So some people just needed to know what even is this? <laughs> sleep apnea, sleep paralysis, sleeping pills sleep deprivation and sleep calculator. And then the next, the one under that also, Google always gives you one little like, hey, were you looking for this place? It was like Sleepy Hollow. It's a village in New York state, (laughs) which is funny too. And then when you actually put in sleep and just get the results, I'm just going to give you the top three. How to sleep better by the sleepfoundation.org is the first thing that comes up. Brain basics, understanding sleep and the sleep homepage for the CDC that is all about sleep and sleep disorders. That's what happens when you Google sleep, friends. You wanted a podcast to tell you that? Here it is. (laughs) Tether together. Everything you asked for and everything you didn't. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we also, do you want to introduce what we're doing next? Yeah, so we had talked, you know, uh, quite a few months ago while we were in the thick of some some big shifts and changes and like the building of the bonfire, we were starting to see that all of these, this Venn diagram of everything going on in the world um, was essentially building this huge bonfire that we are going to have to throw things onto um, to, to change with what our values are and what they had been and the ways that that was and wasn't being reflected in what was going on and also the, the external logistics of the world. So we had been talking about creating um, new ways of sharing with anyone who wanted to work with us um, more of who we are as a 
an accountability exercise of like, here's who we are, here's the ways in which we uh, came up through the world and how we see ourselves in relationship to the ideas that we were taught and the unlearning that's going on as well as the learning. And here are the things that are important to us, dot, 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 right? So that has been something we were, we were thinking essentially the bio, quote unquote, right? That you see on people's websites. What would be like a deeper way of doing that um, to reflect change over time, specifically related to um, professional and personal growth? And two weeks ago, I believe it was, I had the... Truly honor, truly honor. Like, you know, you meet certain people in your life and you go, whoa, there was like the before and the after and you, you meet certain teachers or you hear certain people speak and it's there, it's so deeply impactful. Um, so I had the honor of being in space with an, an educator local to where I am. Um, her name is Erin Gilpin and she just big big ups. She got her PhD last year from the University of Victoria. Um, and I, her PhD is so deep that every time I go to explain it, I know I'm not doing it justice, but it has to do with um, indigenous wellness in relationship to land um, and specifically indigenous women's wellness um, and family wellness. Erin is also a doula and a member of the only BIPOC doula collective that I know of on Vancouver Island, and they are called the Nesting Doulas. So I'll put some links in the show notes to Erin and her work and Nesting Doulas. Um, and Erin was teaching a class at Pacific Rim College, which I also teach at, and she was teaching um, indigenous research methods. And there's so much more to say on all of that, um, on what indigenous research methods are and are not. Um, but her, her class was so impactful on every level, you know, really a holistic look at um, relationship to knowledge. And what she shared with us towards the end was an exercise and it was called critical self-location. And that exercise is the way that um, in indigenous research circles, um, every paper or presentation or finding would be presented. Um, you wouldn't just dive into, you know, um, here's what I think about deciduous forests and blah, blah, blah. You would first place yourself in relationship to not just the subject matter that you're going to present on, but also really truly placing yourself in, in relationship. Um, she said, you know, we are not uh, in relationships, we are relationships. And I thought that was a really oof moment um, when she shared that. And so I'm, I'm crediting her here because in sharing that with me, I feel like she gave me and therefore Erica and this moment um, a much deeper framework really for how to introduce oneself in relationship to, um, or how to, how to introduce oneself within the context of like professional sphere or um, work-related and community-related intentionality. And so I'm just really inviting you to right now just listen with kind of an expanded um, 
somatic capacity to what it might be like to be in much more clear accountability with one's community um, in relationship to the contributions we make within that community. So I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> so I just want to make a little note here too, that I think that this gets confused quite often in, in activist spaces and different learning spaces that transparency doesn't necessarily mean that you're telling everyone everything about your life in some sort of unchecked way. And that's certainly important, especially as like a doula or somebody who shows up for others, just to remember that. Um, and we are sharing more deeply in this podcast and much less on social media because it is a bigger and juicier container capable of holding more. Um, but it can't and won't hold everything. <laughs> so I just want to, that's a layer of transparency too. Um, we, what we're choosing to share is shouldn't be taken as a carbon copy of what you should or shouldn't share. Um, and we can, and we will keep some parts of ourselves and our lives as personal always. So this is not a declaration that in, in doing some amount of critical self-location that that is going to equate to now, you know, everything about our lives. <laughs> I just want to be clear that we know that <laughs> and that's also intentional and healthy boundaries in practice. So my name is Laura Mary McCarthy Interlandy. My maiden name is McCarthy. Um, and I, I did not think clearly about changing my name um, before I did, before I got married. And I think if I'd become a doula first or if certain things in my life had happened differently, I probably wouldn't have changed my name. Um, but I did. And I realized many years later in examining even that critically, that I really am in relationship with my married name. Um, it is inter, which means between, interlandy, between lands. And I am born on the autumn equinox. And I really have always felt like I've lived in sort of a both and existence my whole life. My, I, I feel so dualistic in, in so many ways in terms of my identity. Um, so I really love my name <laughs> and I also really love my maiden name because I feel very connected in the way that I think to my grandfather from whom that name comes and just want to acknowledge him as sort of, I think probably the presiding ancestor of my life and also the person that really truly put me on the doula path. Um, cause I did his end of life care for four months as he was, yeah, nearing the end of his life in England. I live on um, Wasanich and Cowichan overlapping nations on Vancouver Island. And I have a very passionate relationship with this land that I grew up on and then left for 14 years and now live on with my family, with my children, with my husband. Um, and I knew when I left this land that um, it would continue to kind of live inside of me from childhood, just spending time outside and a lot of alone time outside in nature. 
it was the 80s and 90s. So don't judge my parents, but I definitely <laughs> played on the beach by myself and in the forest by myself at a really inappropriately young age. Um, and I think that those experiences are foundational to who I am as a person um, and the way that I think and the way that um, the landscape of where I live lives in me. And moving back here has with some with some activist framework, learning that in New York City has helped me to actually cultivate deeper relationship with this land. Because when I was growing up, I did not have a relationship to the inequities that are deeply present where I live and a healthy understanding or even just um, truthful understanding of Canada's uh, First Nations people and uh, where I lived in relationship to that and my privilege. Um, and it is just two things worth noting, I think for the context of, of learning and being in a position of being an educator in different spaces that I'm in, is that I did actually grow up at a school. I grew up at a school. I lived at a school since I was one years old. And my dad is a teacher. He was um, a private school administrator and my parents ran a boys boarding house from when I was five to 18. So the combination of institutional education and maleness and privilege, all of those things are very much embedded within, um, it was a very financially privileged school. And I really do um, feel that I have a lot of insight into institutional education, maleness, <laughs> and wealth privilege um, because of that upbringing and that, it, that neither being good nor bad, it's just something that I can contribute when I approach certain things. Um, yeah, I think that's my share, unless you have any um, inside the actor's studio questions, Erica. Ooh, yeah. Lifting yourself. Um, well, let's see. Um, well, I like the thing that you wanted us to talk about, which was what are you growing into right now? Yeah, I am growing. I'm really growing into consistent like consist taking like the relentlessness of showing up in my parenting journey and really putting that into the way that I continue to show up in terms of reflecting accountability back to the community I live in and the communities that I'm a part of and the institutions that I take up space in. Um, and I, I really see that as a direct connection of like, oh, I can show up. I show up every single day in this way in my life. I can show up every single day in this other way in my life. And really seeing that um, showing up is not a one time or even a 10 time event. It's like a little bit all the time. And also with that coming the willingness to not be liked truly, like I'd really like to go like postmenopausal self now so I could get more work done in the next 20 years. That's what I am like trying to cultivate in my body is that when you are kind of relentlessly showing up, um, that's not always an easy energy to be around. And it does come with a cost. 
so what? <laughs> I mean, really like that, that's a truth, right? I think that, and that's something that holds a lot of um, particularly white folks back and um, particular, particularly um, people who are assigned female at birth uh, and have been raised, socialized female to, to be liked um, and to be polite and to contort oneself to fit the spaces that you're in. I'm really recognizing that I've never fit any of these spaces and try as I may to contort such, I never can anyway. So I might as well be extra um, in ways that hopefully bridge gaps and close close gaps and, and um, close discrepancies or work towards those things. Um, and being just, yeah, comfortable with leaving social exchanges and going and, and not then having a spiral about how did that person interpret that thing, but just staying connected to the goals that I have about why I show up the way I do. It's also like the Pacific Northwest is not comfy talking about uncomfy stuff. Like I just, <laughs> like Canada's polite, like Canada's whole, I'm sorry, polite vibe and like British people, the intersection of like coming from an almost wholly British lineage, obviously McCarthy's a bit Irish, but like very British mixed with like socialized Canadian, there's so much opportunity to just not ever say a hard thing. So yeah. It still flips oh, my There's some places that we really have some overlap is like coming from the family that shouldn't say the thing or doesn't want to say the thing. And then being the child who's like, let's Always. say the thing. Well, and I also <laughs> want to say all the things. I want to acknowledge too, that like, it's, it's not comfortable. Like, it's not mm -hmm. like, I don't think no. you get to a point where you're like, yeah. And I said this thing. And then there was an awkward pause and I felt great. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> I don't and think we all had a meal together. And then I got silence. a raise. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, why do totally. we feel entitled for things to even get easier, period? So yeah. I'm just like, I have gurglies in my tummy, just like thinking about moments that have felt that way. And I'm not even like mm. having that moment right now. Yeah. So Erica, what's your name? <laughs> okay, my name is Erica Lee Livingston. And that is, um, well, I was named after Erica came from all my children. And I have really let that define me in some fun, interesting, and often too dramatic ways. But, but for sure, legit, that's who my mom named me after, which is a character played by Susan Lucci. Um, and also I should note in my name, my last name Livingston is my married name from my previous marriage that I am divorced from, uh, but I did claim the name through the divorce. So I chose not to change back to my maiden name um, because I did feel a little like Tina Turner in that I felt I had earned that name and I felt that it defined me and it felt weird that I needed to like lay that on the altar of what I was leaving when I was leaving that relationship because I did feel that that name had become mine and was a gift that was not that that didn't need to be like returned 
Um, and right now I'm, I have not remarried my partner that I have my children with. And so I still have that name, which is just an interesting part that I think a lot of people probably don't know about me, but I am also not really ashamed about and feel fine about. Um, although I do sometimes think about how my name might be less complicated if I did marry my partner and had the same last name as my children. So TBD on if in the future, I say my name is Erica Burnham that's the last name of my kiddos um yeah so I am lineage wise I am from I'm similar to Laura I am from British and Irish lineage with like some French and German sprinkled in and like a touch of Eastern European and I have only known that for a short amount of time and I learned all of that from spitting inside of a bottle and I know there are plenty of people who think that you should not do uh, genealogy brouhaha because you're like they're going to make clones or take your DNA or whatever whatever they have it anyway they're listening right now um, but I delightfully did it and was excited and still do not regret it because I am an adopted child and it opened up a lot for me and um, that is a part of who I am and where I'm from too um, my astrology is, I mentioned that just a bit ago, but I will say it again. I am a proud Libra sun and I am a Capricorn moon. I still don't know my rising because I don't know the time of birth that I was born yet. TBD there too. Ever changing next rung of the spiral. I'm a Virgo North node, which should be noted because I think that has something to do with my entanglement with Laura. And I have a Scorpio, Scorpio stellium that also includes Venus and Scorpio, which is why I love you so hard. I love you so hard. And Laura is also Venus and Scorpio. She really wants me to know right now. Um, and let's see, I am I'm on the land currently now, the traditional territory of the Muncie Lenape, um, which is also like AKA Bushwick, Brooklyn. And this, I have lived in the house I live in right now for nine years, and I've lived in this area for 20. Um, and my relationship to this land is complicated. And um, I've had and lost children on this land. And I think that defines a lot of my relationship to it, um, is that like where you birth babies or lose babies is a very important thing and connects you in a very deep way. So that would be the deepest way. Although I also like steward the land, a small patch of it myself. Um, we mentioned quite a bit of gardening and growing and loving of the soil and things. Um, I'm at a place right now where I can even look at my garden as I say that, and that is very fulfilling. Um, but the land I grew up on, so I grew up on Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Natchez territory, um, which is also called Jackson, Mississippi. And so I am also Southern. And I have just hit the point in my age journey where I have basically been like half of my life a Southerner and half of my life a New Yorker. So I've like just hit that little moment. So like, unless I go back to the South soon, we're gonna start tipping those scales the other direction. And that's an interesting place to be. Um, I grew up Baptist, frequently joke that I am a recovering Baptist, joking, not joking. 
Um, and there are things like when Laura is making this list of like how we would kind of do this type of um, introduction of self and explaining it to me, she asked um, us to say how we are ex implicitly or explicitly like how we were taught things about the world. And then I was like, what do you mean about that? And she was like, well, you know, like what you grew up with, but like what was taught to you, but then what you might teach your kids now that's different. And I was basically like, oh, so like spanking and Satan. And so those things were for sure both a part of my childhood. Um, and unfortunately, like did do a good amount of defining of my uh, physical experience and my internal, that's my external and internal <laughs> inner and outer weather of um little Erica I got spanked almost every Sunday um because I was really good at behaving badly at church um probably continue to do that um I would say that those are things that I have not really carried over into this part of my life but I you know, I'm still, um, I definitely don't spank myself or anyone, even in like a cute kinky way. And um, I am a childhood survivor of abuse. And so that has some to do with how I am now raising my kids outside of that with a very uh, gentle lens. Um, and I don't know, the whole Satan thing. We could do another whole episode just on that. I mean, the only time that really comes up in my life is when I pull the devil card in the tarot, and I really like that card. So <laughs> um, some passions that I have besides what I've already said, I, I'm an herbalist as well as a doula and a mother and um, yeah, soil and compost and flowers and herbs um, those things are definitely a passion. I'm also, um, I get pretty excited about roller skating and that's something I love that I feel defines me. Um, and in relation to the adoption piece, I should note that I do like to identify as someone with an attachment wound, um, because I want to normalize that for the people that have it beyond just me. And I think it is a mental health it is a part of mental health that I live with is that I live with an attachment wound. It colors the way I relate to all people and spaces. Um, and I have only recently been able to truly acknowledge that part of myself as something that's never really going to be changed or erased, um, but is something worth just tending and acknowledging and making a little space for um, and that shows up in all kinds of ways. One of them is very long goodbyes. <laughs> um, I guess that's it. I am complete, I think. Unless, are you going to ask me some kind of like probing question? Mm. Barbara Walters style? Oh, I see you're James Lipton and I'm Barbara Walters. I didn't want us to both be James Lipton. That would be weird. That's true. So yeah. you're a better improviser than that. Um, <laughs> I guess the, you know, one question I would have would be, yeah, what are you, what is, what's an edge for you right now? Like what's something that still kind of feels 
like it's not within grasp, but that you're reaching towards. And that could be in mothering or doula practice or life or just like your own, your own, um, yeah, inner growth that, that feels safe to share in this moment. Mm. I think something we've always wanted to do in our teaching and, and we still strive to do, which is work outside of a hierarchy, not just with totally. each other, but in the spaces we hold. And I think that's a principle that um, we weren't trying to do that specifically in an anti-racist or decolonized model or anything like that. We were just thinking it felt better you know, to, to be in a space that didn't feel like, um, yeah, like, like a church, like patriarchal, you know? Um, and so, yeah, one of the, in just sharing like our growth spots, I think that's always like nice for people to hear so that it's, this is really like, you're sitting by the fire. We're not Mm -hmm. in the pulpit, you know, except when we are and when we are, And boy, do I get up there sometimes or rage my way on up. Um, I would say that one that feels um, really vulnerable to share, but but fine to share, like not like, oh, I'm really um, doing something against my own internal, you know, my own internal boundaries or what I keep secret um, is that I am cultivating, but I am not there yet, but I am cultivating like courage and bravery um, to make a reach to my biological father. And I know who that person is. Thanks to Laura and her husband, Sal, who also um, produces this podcast and is my search angel and is like Laura's like life partner and like sexy person and made those children and things he Sal big shout out to Sal for doing all the things um but he is also my search angel and um is who helped me find who my biological father is but I have not yet cultivated the courage and bravery to reach so I know I am going to but it just isn't there yet. So that is a place that I am working on. Um, you know, it's funny cause like the way I feel that, Ooh, my little voice is getting shaky. Um, <laughs> the way I feel that ties into so much we were saying in here is that like, you may move into places on the spiral. Sometimes they're like, Oh, I feel this way. Like we are saying like, I'm working on being liked le- yet less. Um, right. And And then like making a reach to a family member asking for some form of just like a what's up connection or like also even just like what is your health history because like it's also mine Um, and and then making an ask Um, you can't help but like want um, to also be liked in there so it's like interesting because there's these arenas where I'm trying really hard to like not care about being liked um And also like, I love to be liked. I love it when people love me. I do. I love that. I love it when people love me and adore me and like me and want to reflect that to me. So, (laughs) and who doesn't? Um, So it is an interesting thing to be able to like, um, try to cultivate the, uh, like a, a bit of an armor of like, if you say you don't want to, um, well, and also this would be a really like, 
important example. I mean, we've, we've had this moment in many times in our friendship and, and all the things we do together where something that's true for you isn't necessarily true for me or something that is coming easier to me or easier to you is not necessarily happening for the other person or whatever we call in. We realize like, it's great. Everyone needs to work on that. Like not uh, letting other people's definition of you define you or not um, needing to constantly be affirmed and, and getting out of the freeze of that, or at least just getting more and more comfortable with letting people have their own experiences, including with you. However, yeah. what, what does that mean for someone with an attachment wound from birth? Yeah. That gets different. Because there's always that little like tricky moment where you're just like, people are going to leave. They're going to leave, you know, they're going to bail out. So it, it's different. I mean, it's, you know, we also like you have more years on this earth than I do in this lifetime, even though I'm, even though I'm your mom and our, our, that was something. Yeah. You, and you're totally the older one. I'm spiritually your mother, but thanks for mentioning. You're spiritually me. way older than me. <laughs> No, <laughs> we have an ongoing joke that I am Erica's mother, but I was born after, but that's okay. Cause she's a character from a soap opera. So that could happen in a soap <laughs> opera. Um, but the, yeah, just one person could be like, I'm working on, no, I don't care if anyone likes me, blah, 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 blah. That might mean something that is like, I live near my parents who are my biological parents and family of origin and not saying that's always been easy, but I would never be able to compare that to what it might feel like for somebody walking through the world with an attachment wound from adoption. Right. And so I think even just like in the sharing of the spaces between you and I, there's like a lot people can take, like there's, there isn't a time that goes by, uh, an experience we have that goes by where we don't try to bring in more of what we know about the other person and how the other person likes to be tended and cared for and what the soft spots or the sore spots or the strong parts or the, you know, whatever, like seeing one another as three-dimensional and also generational backwards and forwards beings um, is what the healing justice of our container of our friendship is. It's me, all, me never forgetting that you have that attachment wound, right? Or yeah, and I, it's also like the generous reframing. Like I do feel like that happens within our friendship a lot, and that that is something that is such a gift. Um, no matter who you have it with, maybe it's with your partner or a friendship like this, or maybe it's even like a therapist or just someone else who feels like a container where you can truly like let it all out, let out a lot, um, is that sometimes you put out something kind of on the altar of that relationship and you're asking for it to be picked up and like, um, puttied with a bit and maybe even just, um, shaped into something else. Like, look at it this way, look at it through my eyes. Um, and that's one of the things like for sure, our friendship has been one of the things that's helped me to basically when I'm introducing myself to want to say something like, Hey, I'm someone who's thriving with an attachment wound and, um, and to be unashamed of it, but to like bring it into the conversation as 
not something that's like me and my little red wagon that I'm always pulling up this big old hill. But like for me to be able to say it, like this is part of like the makeup of who I am. And because I've been in relationships where people are willing to look at it, not as a burden, but as like a part of my character that makes me an interesting person to relate with. And all of that is part of like the destigmatization of mental health and of our lived experiences being our mental experiences. You can't separate that attachment wound from your like oceanic capacity to love people. And truly like this is going to get me misty is like, of (laughs) course you became a postpartum doula or postpartum doula because the after of everything, the right? After the after of everything, because it was like the pregnancy and the birth. We were together. I mean, the whole the whole thing about the reframe, right? Is like what happens when you are in relationships and spaces, and you have um, environmental supports to mine your experiences, even your wounds, your traumas, your shortcomings, whatever, for the medicine that they truly contain, the medicine of your own life. And also to acknowledge like that that is, I mean, it is your superpower, right? It is your gift. If like we were creating the allegory, like, I mean, you know, it's just, it always is that when you come back at the end of some of the, even like big movies, I'm trying to think like, this is why my my husband Sal's a filmmaker as well. But like it's it's why he, he does loves- everything, y'all. He does everything. He does it all. He built a shed. <laughs> We've really made him sound like a like a superhero. I can't wait till really he's like is. listening back and editing this. But yeah, I, well, I hope he does. He's like, I put in the intro and the outro. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't know. I just I think that there's a lot to be said for. It's like not being able to own your gifts too, right? Because yeah. if you stand in your power, you you need to be liked, right? So you need to have a certain level of humility and you also don't want to be pitied. So you don't want to play that up too much. And it's this constant toggle back and forth of, of what do I share and how do I share it? Instead of just going like, these are some facts about me and they inform mm. who I am, how I show up, how I might hold space and whether that may flow for the way you you want to show up or have space held or whatever um yeah I think I love your little attachment wound it's the cutest attachment wound I've ever seen thanks so much (laughs) (laughs) well welcome to um us and to season two I hope that was a soft enough landing because it's going to be a ride, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> Stra- now that you're strap back. in, strap on, let's go. <laughs> Leave a review, it's really helpful.